everybody. Welcome back to A Bro's Guide to Glitter. And welcome back to our second episode of Fashionista Fall. Today's topic will be modeling. Today, we will be sitting down with a guest who is a model himself to discuss his own modeling journey, his fashion inspirations, and the gender imbalance within the modeling industry. As previously stated, my guest is a model having walked the runway and produced his own shoots, but he'll go more into detail about the range of the work he's done. He and I first met this spring at NYU. We're both drama majors and met doing class together at Stone Street, the screen acting studio. Please meet this hybrid actor, model, designer, beautiful man, Doyen Adijola. Hello, everyone. Hi, my name is Doyen. Nice, nice to meet you all, even though you're listening to me and not actually <laughs> meeting me. It is great to have you on the podcast. It's great to see you too, Sarah. <laughs> so for the listeners, please describe your style growing up and your relationship to fashion throughout your life. That's actually so funny that you asked me what my style growing up was because my mom used to dress me a lot. And then I remember her telling me when I got older, I like that around the age of like four or five, I was like, I want to put my own outfits together. And then she would like tell me how like they would actually work. Like even though I didn't quite know what I was doing with like colors and stuff, they would work. So I feel like I've been dressing myself since like I was young and could understand like what components of an outfit is. And um, when I was younger, my style was definitely like, oh, let's match colors together. Let's, um, if I'm going to do a tracksuit, let's do a full tracksuit. Or if I'm going to do um, a, um, a jean jacket, it has to match with jean um, like denim pants. So I think I was really big on matchy matchy in like elementary to middle school. And then going into high school, I started to want to um, play with colors. I started to really, really play with colors and like different materials. That's when I got into like the, uh, uh, I, there's a term for it. It's like um, athletic uh, leisure. So the, you get into like your uh, joggers that have like prints on, prints on them to like elevate the look. And that's what I was really into in high school. And then I kind of also had like a switch where I was like, I want to push for more like high fashion look. So I attempted like, emphasis on attempted to look high fashion with like designers and like matching them with um basic pieces and stuff and then that's kind of like how I grew into the style that I have now which I feel like is a very good balance between playing with colors knowing when to play it play it subtle matching things with um statement pieces and like your regular basic essentials yeah, I, my style is definitely still changing and evolving. I get bored really quickly. And I do this thing <laughs> once a year where I actually purge my closet and I donate a bunch of stuff and then we'll buy things, make things or anything that like was dis like I would normally discard because it like ripped or teared and stuff. I would like try to turn it into something new. Interesting. I think it's very helpful uh, and funny to hear that you automatically just designed or dress yourself well as a child? Because my moment of saying, hey mom, I wanna dress myself. Uh, I was 11 and I tried to wear a green t-shirt and purple <laughs> jeans. And my mom tried to be like, um, sweetie, those don't match. And I'm like, you don't 
you don't know what you're talking about you know it's so crazy because i'm pretty sure that not all of my outfits work but my mom definitely let me wear whatever and i think that's a lot of where i felt confidence in putting outfits together and even like tapping into like my creative side just because Mm -hmm. like my mom really let me express myself even if the outfit was a clear miss yeah but that is certainly helpful to have her guidance for that because she was a seamstress right yes yes growing up my mom um she studied fashion design as well um well not as well because I'm not studying it but she studied fashion design and she became a seamstress she would design her own things for like family and friends and so I grew up surrounded by that a lot nice and so do you feel like obviously she dressed you in your younger years but how do you feel like your style uh is built upon or differs from her style I definitely pulled a lot from my mom growing up in terms of just like how to put things together when it comes to an outfit. Um, But now I would say our styles are very, very different because I feel like I take a little bit more risk with my outfit. I mean, and she's like a different generation. She's older. So that's not really her concern to like be bold and different. She just wants to look put together and good. While me, I was like, I like to be put together but I will take a risk with a certain outfit and so our styles now are very very different but my mom does influence a lot of how I look at clothes and pair them mm-hmm. well and where did she where did she grow up so um both my parents are from Nigeria my mom um is oh. Nigerian and she learned to so cut all that good stuff in Nigeria oh that's really cool I didn't know that because I was about to say I feel like taking risks with your outfits, making bold statements is um, a prized quality in New York where Mm -hmm. you're standing out in a big crowd and anyone can be bold. And so I don't know if that is a tenement of fashion in Nigeria or not. You know, I really couldn't tell you. I really (laughs) couldn't tell you. At the end of the day, do whatever makes you happy is definitely the motto. And if people have an opinion, it's just that an opinion. So I, but I really couldn't tell you if location really does change how bold mm. you want to be in appearance. Fair enough, fair enough. But I, I will agree with you that I feel more freedom to dress the way I want without like judgmental eyes in New York the most definitely than mm. I would when I was like living in Chicago or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember you said you were living in Chicago. Mm-hmm. My dad's from Chicago. Hey. hey. Mm-hmm. So you are not just a model and fashion designer. You're also an actor. So I'm interested how your interest in fashion and modeling impacts everything else you do artistically. Of course. I mean, I think that my passion for modeling and fashion designing is fairly new. And while acting has always been like the way, like the art form that I clinged to. And I think the way it inf- like modeling and fashion influences me as an actor is just, I'm really into everything, not just on screen, but also off screen. So like, all the stuff that goes into building up a character's image, I'm very, very into because of, I like to understand, like you put, like 
the color palette for this specific character is all dark. Why? And then like all that stuff mm-hmm. helps me as an actor. And because I have actual interest in fashion and costuming and stuff, I'm able to have fun learning this and then use it to apply myself when it comes to preparing a role. Yeah, that's such a good point. And because even if you got hired on um, on an acting gig, if it was a small budget or indie and they needed a costume designer, you could. Exactly. I could yeah, I could make it work for myself without having to like stress about it. It would come naturally to me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So let's play a word association game. OK, I'm going to put going to be really bad at this. <laughs> don't worry if you you know can't think of anything we'll make it 30 seconds or you know a minute so no pressure uh but basically the challenge is to say anything you can think of words experience just free flow off your mind uh say anything you want related to modeling okay are you ready sure go bobby pins safety pins makeup shoes Oil, body glitter, hairspray, um, heavy, uh, nervous, blackout, I don't know, extreme focus. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of good stuff in there. Okay, good. When you good. when you started with bobby pins, my ex dance competition self got PTSD first. Oh yeah, yeah. Sometimes those outfits are not ready until like fifteen minutes before you have to go on. Oh my gosh, for real? It depends. It depends on the show, and um, yeah, sometimes it can be really um like chaotic but it's all fun it's also enjoyable but it can also be equally nerve-wracking yeah yeah I bet I do because I have heard stories about models being sewn into their clothes yes my I it's interesting to hear about because my initial reaction was well if a model has to be sewn into their clothes then how great could the clothes be for consumers but that's assuming that that piece of clothing is for the store and on the exactly, rack yes. an art project exactly because a lot I feel like a lot of the times people fail to realize that what's on the runway is not ready to wear all the time and that it could be couture pieces like modeling and fashion is an art form you know it's not always going to be something that you can have accessible to just you but just view it enjoy it form opinion on it talk about it like that is how we view all art so we should also look at fashion that way too like when a designer creates something they're not creating it just for you to wear it they're creating it so that you can open necessary conversations that they would have whatever it is they would want to talk to you about like for example like um Kim Kardashian putting caution tape around her body. No one can really like make that an outfit on a daily, but it's, there's a conversation that that designer wants you to join in. So that's what it is. It's an art form that's supposed to spark conversation. Yeah. That's a very great way of describing it. Cause certainly when I was little, I played, you know, a a Barbie PC ROM fashion show game. And I would, paint a pink shirt and I would be like because I've drawn this pink shirt I am now a fashion designer and (laughs) I am a genius (laughs) and I just fully thought of it as making 
clothes to be made. But then, you know, when I actually started paying attention to fashion shows and being like, what the heck? This guy, I don't know if you saw, this guy made a dress that transforms into a coffee table. Um, and that one, no. I saw it, I think I saw it this year, but it's like, that's insane. And yeah. it's so cool. And it's not going to be hanging on the rack in, you know, Ross or Cole. No. Um, and a lot of the time, too, a lot of the stuff that gets created that is so abstract and unique like that is used for costuming for something. Like it might be used for costuming in a movie, um, an award show. Somebody is going to use it for something. And even if they don't, it should still be appreciated as an art form. Yeah. Yeah, because it does take a lot of like thinking and like, I don't want to say science, but you definitely have to like work it out. And all of that stuff should be appreciated. Yeah. And it is interesting to see. Um, I think it's Rihanna. There's a photo of Rihanna, I believe, wearing a big green dress. And it started as a runway couture dress. And it's something that you would look at and be like, oh, well, that is something that's only for the runway. But as you said, these celebrities put it on and she wore it at a red carpet and she looked stunning. And it was a it was a momentous outfit. Yeah, of course. It's Rihanna, so. Yes, of course. I need to look good on Rihanna. <laughs> So please talk about your own modeling journey. What was your first gig and how has that changed since? So this is, um, I, when I got signed to like my first acting agent in Chicago, I, they really liked me for commercial and print. So a lot of um, what I would be going out for would be like um, commercial spots that included a photo shoot that I had to do for like um, to go into um, maybe like a not a magazine spread not an editorial magazine spread but just you know how Macy's would like send you yeah. magazines yeah so something similar to that um, so I never really thought that modeling was for me as because I used to think that the only kind of model there was was a runway model and I just didn't fit the specs for that at the time. So I just was like, okay, I don't really want to do that. But when I did get signed and I did start going to stuff and I did have my first test shoot with this photographer who helped me get like all my headshots and comp card material ready, it was really, really fun. I had fun. And then, um, oh my gosh, he was actually so brutal <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah. Imagine I was like 14. 14 I had just got out of um, class for the day I was so tired I go to the studio and we're like shooting obviously I've never done this before so I'm extremely nervous it's like my first official like shoot even though it was still a test shoot it was like only, the only the closest thing I've ever gotten to a professional shoot before mm -hmm. so we're like um testing and I'm like noticing that he's like looking at the images and he's like doing deep size and then after like 30 minutes he's like you know, if I had hired you as a model, I would have been so mad and told you to go home. Like, you're giving me nothing. <laughs> it sounds so harsh, but I swear he did me the biggest favor. Mm. He did me the biggest favor by telling me that because then, you know, sometimes you think it's like, oh, just stand in front of a camera and post. But how you look on your front 
camera or even your back camera on your phone is going to be so different than from what a professional um, camera and photographer can get of you. So learning that comes with practice, like you would practice anything else. Literally practicing how to stare into a camera sounds so stupid, but you should really do it if modeling is what you're thinking about, because you the more comfortable you get behind the lens, the more comfortable you'll look and the more assertive you'll look on camera and the more control you'll have of what you're portraying. So because he said that to me, I literally would go home, I would practice, I would do like random shoots with my friends. And then my first job was um, a couple years later because I was really more into the acting side still. I didn't really get into modeling until recently. But my first job was for um, this Wisconsin like based department store. And they were trying to um, promote their, um, I guess their um, Nintendo Switch had just dropped a new like product, like Nintendo mm -hmm. had just dropped a new product. So they were trying to promote that in their department store. So that was like my first official job that I got paid for. I was really, really excited. And then um, after that, I would just, I started just like doing more shoots with my friends. I started taking like my social media presence more seriously. And then up until really recently, I didn't really take the term model until I was a junior because that's when I actually started working for brands and stuff. Um, a junior in college, I mean, not in high mm -hmm. school. And because before that, all I would do would just like take pictures and post them on Instagram and work with photographers here and there. And then I recently walked like my first New York Fashion Week show this past season. Oh my God, I didn't know it was New York Fashion Week. Oh yeah. my gosh, Doyen, congrats. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And that's pretty much been my journey. Um, I feel like I'm still at the very beginning of it. Yeah. Like, um, once I have graduated, my next steps would obviously to be able to get like a mother agency and then probably like some form of management so that I can get into like the audition rooms for like bigger shows and stuff. But I would say that even though like I have like years of like sort of dabbling in modeling, I would say that I'm still at like the very beginning of actually being a model. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. You know, New York Fashion Week today, Milan tomorrow. Am I right? Hopefully that is definitely the goal. That's so It's interesting. Sorry. I think I just got a call, but that is fine. No worries. And because I edit it all out. So there we go. But um, it's interesting to hear how you say you didn't really start picking up the pace until junior year of college. Yeah. Um, and because I obviously met you your senior year of college, mm -hmm. your last semester, and you had been doing a lot by then. Yeah. I think that's also when you... Um, produced your black history month photo yes, um, yes which was really cool so yeah you had done a lot of stuff by the time i met you but what would you say has been your favorite thing you've done so far definitely new york fashion week for sure because it's like the most official thing i've done i mean i am actually forgetting that in my junior year i studied in london and my um, sweet mate was a photographer so mm. we just did these fun shoots and he would send them to magazines to get publicated to be put into stories and this is when I was like okay I can maybe like say like I'm an actual model was because the images that we took were selected for like their second edition cover story so oh. 
yeah so like I feel that that is what let me go okay I'm gonna start doing a lot of like putting a lot of time and energy into modeling and I feel as as I go the more things I do are I don't I don't, I don't want to say better than the rest but they're I feel like I'm on an incline so the most yeah. recent experience that I have is definitely the one that I like love more because it's like a trajectory that I'm following and I'm like happy with where I'm going if that makes sense yeah makes sense you're growing yes always trying to grow yes so i have a question about new york fashion week because the uh the stereotype is that all nyu students are trying to sneak in uh Mm. last year i did live in soho and so did consider borrowing a camera from someone and wearing a black turtleneck and seeing what it would do but i ultimately couldn't borrow a camera from somebody what was it like from the inside having not had to sneak in? Truthfully, it was really, really chaotic. <laughs> it was, oh my God. This is the funniest thing though. I didn't have a fitting for the show. Like mm-hmm. this, usually if you're not signed to an agent, the process of getting casted is a bit, um, it's a bit like all over the place. So I submitted a week before the show. I found out that I was, casted three days before the show there's that means there's no time for a fitting so usually I've heard from other models that like I'm friends with that sometimes if your outfit's just not ready or they don't have a size for you they'll simply just send you home it's like you're cut from the show and that could happen day of that could happen minutes before you walk on stage so I was a bit afraid that when I got there I would not be actually in the show so I get there, I'm like waiting, thinking that like, okay, so the first thing they'll do, obviously, is to see if they have an outfit for me. No, they like I get there two minutes later, I'm in a chair, the um, creative director for the show wanted like really shiny faces. So they like I get put in makeup in here. Then there's a lot of sitting and waiting when they're you're not doing a run and you're not doing like makeup and hair. So then you're literally sitting and waiting for hours until the show starts, if you if you came too early, which I think I did. And um, now there's like people coming in and out trying to make sure like the set is ready for you all to like do your test run. The set did not get ready until it was time for the show to go. So we didn't do a test run. Wow. Yeah. So then we are moved backstage and um, now we're getting our outfits. So now there are like people coming in to like basically be seated for the show. And then we're like in the back, like trying to get ready and get um, fitted. I got my outfit maybe 15 minutes before I was supposed to be on the runway. Wow. And it's crazy because like those those last 30 minutes are the craziest when you literally spend like an hour or two just sitting around doing nothing. But that's because there's nothing else to do other than once you got your hair and makeup done, than to just wait for the outfit. And if the outfit's mm-hmm. not there because it was like still coming from like, I guess it's warehouse, then there's literally nothing you can do. So it's just, it's like, it's a calm before the storm, definitely definitely it's chaotic but it's I love the vibe of it all like I was really happy even through the chaos I was like oh this is kind of fun stuff yeah 
That sounds really cool. And I bet once you finally got your outfit, you were like, yes, I'm not cut. Yeah, Thank I, God. <laughs> I finally got my outfit. Oh my God. The designer would do this thing where like um, all the models were like basically waiting to get their um, outfit. And um, I, he would be like, okay, I need like the buffest people to come up front. I need like the skinnier people to come up front. I need the taller people, whatever, right? <laughs> and then it got to like, okay, anyone who like, he would, he would ask us like, oh, what are your sizes, right? Just to like confirm. And then we would get there and I was right in front. And then he would like look around me to fit other models. And he did that like a good few times. But then I realized it's because there was an other rack. And I guess like he had just imagined what would look better on me. Mm-hmm. So I'm like sitting there thinking like, I'm about to be sent home. He is not, he is not happy with my appearance. So I am about to be sent home. But then they brought in the other rack and then he gave me like one of the first suits on that rack. So that's amazing. So you were in mind the whole time. I was. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. The, your recounting of sitting in a room is similar to a story I heard uh, about Victoria model, uh, Victoria's secrets uh, fashion shows, especially just that like, the women sit around all day and wait for the show. And then in the last yeah, because, minute, it's like time to do everything. Yeah, there's really not much to do once like your hair and makeup is done, you have your outfit. Now it's just like, wait for the show. Don't miss your cues. Listen to where they tell you to go. Yeah, but that those, those first like 15 minutes right before the show starts until the show is over, to be honest, is just all chaos and people yelling yeah. at each other, kind of. Crazy. So what would you say is your dream modeling gig? (laughs) Okay, this is going to be really, really funny. But I actually would, I have a couple. I would really love to walk for Balenciaga. Okay. I feel like I am really, because I'm, maybe this is like the commercial side of me speaking. I would much rather do a campaign rather than just the runway mm-hmm. but um if I was going to do a runway I feel like Balenciaga would be extremely fun yeah because of how like eccentric they allow their models to be on the runway and then Dior always has a really good men's show like a really 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 good set design and just like a great concept altogether whatever collaboration they're doing or if it's just Dior they also have a really really good show and then Prada Prada, 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 I'm obsessed with. I actually have this mentor who works at the Prada um, in London. She's um, um, she's like a manager and client. Um, I forget the terms, but she's a, she works with clients and she runs like the whole London, Northern, Re- Northern Europe operation. So she would go to um, a bunch of the Prada shows and I was lucky enough to go to the Prada showing in London and Miu Miu showing. And I was just like, yeah, I'm just obsessed with everything this brand creates. So I would love to walk for Prada. And then for campaign wise, yeah, the same thing. Balenciaga campaigns are always really creative. I just love the aesthetic of Prada and Dior just always has the best, I guess, aesthetic to their creative side I don't know how to describe it but yeah. those three. yeah that's very interesting to hear you say and because that kind of leaks into what my next question was going to be which is what type of fashion would you like to model and you named brands which were interesting but I yeah this clothes. I, 
this is something that I forgot to mention when we were talking about just like how I started modeling earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I told you that I used to think I could never be a model because I didn't fit the high fashion aesthetic. And um, that is also something that I've heard a lot from reps when I was growing up, like through middle school, I mean, not middle school, high school and stuff that they were just like, oh, you just don't have the look. I heard that quite frequently. Mm -hmm. So now I feel like now that they've said that and they've put that out there, now I want it more. So when it comes to the kind of modeling that I want to do, I'm hell bent on it being high fashion modeling and editorial stuff. Because I feel like they were just like, you can't do it. So now I'm like, I am going to do it. And you're going to see me do it. And then you're going to wish that you co-signed this when I was coming up. Hell yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I'm sure when you were walking New York Fashion Week, you had an extra jolt of excitement. Um, But even doing uh, shoots prior to that, whether it was like with your friends or something that was fully produced, would you say that your demeanor changed based on whether or not you were wearing clothes that were akin to high fashion? You definitely want to model off the clothes in the way that it will sell most. So if you're wearing a more high fashion clothing, you want to fit that aesthetic with the way you pose and basically your whole demeanor needs to match. And so I will say that it does change, but I'm still myself through it all. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I have different ranges of things that I pull from. We're an actor where we have to have different ranges. So I definitely feel as if I'm still myself. I'm just going to show you a different part of me depending on what I want. And at the end of the day too, it's really what the photographer tells you to do. Like a lot of the times when you're a model, you don't really get much say. Mm-hmm. But when you're a fashion designer, you have almost not uh, almost all the say. Yeah. So it's it's this like you you do what you're told and that's how you get the job. That's how you keep the job. That's how everyone's happy and you get paid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Because of your interest in high fashion, does that mean that the stuff you design lean towards high fashion? And bonus question would you be interested in modeling your own work? Okay, so I would say that I, because you know, I just dropped my first collection, and mm-hmm. that this first collection is definitely my high fashion. However, the reason I made this my first because co- I I've des- I've been working on this for two years, and when I was working from this, I designed a lot of things. And then as I was telling you before, I had that mentor over at Prada who would advise me on a lot of things. And she was just like, start small so it can be simple, you can grow. So I started off with like the easiest things to design. And then I will move on to high fashions as I like start to do other collections. Um, so the answer is, I would, my, what I fashion design right now is both. Mm-hmm. However, I am looking to- towards like shifting more towards high fashion stuff. And then if I would model my own stuff, I'm leaning towards no. And the reason is I want there to be a distinction between like me as a fashion designer and me as a model. And then I think there's a certain level of seriousness that is applied when I can sell something without having to include my 
space in it. I think then it's like we're solely product related. And I think sometimes like it's a great separation of art and artist. I think that that's kind of like how I want to approach fashion because I want it to live on past me. So it would be something that can be transferred down. That is definitely the goal to have like an actual fashion house, you know, like if it's possible. So I would not want to be the main model for my stuff, but time here and then I can, you know, if something needs to get posted soon and I can't find a model, I am going to just like make, make it happen. But I would like to not be a model for my own work. That makes sense because thinking about Lin-Manuel Miranda, I feel like by doing his own stuff, yes, he's giving himself opportunities, but he's kind of pigeonholing himself into his own work. So he's not getting other gigs. Absolutely. Yeah. That's another thing too. You know, it's like, if I'm succeeding as a fashion designer and all you see me is in my stuff, it might not want, brands might not also want to like get that because I'm already the face for my own stuff they might not want to use me for other things so I do want there to be a distinction between me as a model and me as a fashion designer and I'm I'm not sure if they can exist at the same time but I'm going through like exploring that yeah yeah I actually didn't know that you just released your own collection care to share the name and more about it it was like it's an extremely soft launch because I'm still like um, first of all, it's red earth denim and um, goes for red for short. Um, it's an upcycling. My first collection is around upcycling. And um, that is pretty much like what I was really passionate about at the time. And now I'm really big on sustainable fashion. I think that we all know that our world is dying. So, you know, let's try to help it in any way we can. So given that fashion is my interest, this is how I'm choosing to join the conversation of sustainability and sustainable living. Um, so I did do a soft launch in honestly this past month I want to give you a specific day but I can't remember anymore and um, I've been getting orders I've been posting and I've just didn't really do like a really big launch only because I'm still very new and I'm working on the brand as it's out there so I'm just like making sure that when I am ready to like actually take it full force with like marketing, all that good stuff that like the online presence and what you see is worth all that extra work that I'm putting in getting people to know of my brand. Yeah, that makes sense. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah. It's been, I've been surprised with um, the response that I've gotten, you know, like i I definitely was fearful on how it would be received. Not everyone's going to like your stuff. And that's kind of like what I prepared myself for. So to hear that people liked it and people are actually supporting it and purchasing, like I sold out of shirts really, really like fast. So I was really, really surprised. I was not expecting that. And I'm just really, really like thankful and um, happy with the, with the journey of it all. Like where I am now in it too, is really fun. Yeah, that sounds really cool. And how great that you have the platform of sustainability to differentiate you from other clothing lines and say, hey, this is my individual mark. Mm. You know, because I do think that a lot of brands are starting to make the shift. A lot of them are actually being called out for like sagging they are, like greenwashing, but not really having majority of their practices be sustainable. Um But I am like really like when I want my goal is like when you think of upcycling fashion, you think of me. That is really what I do. 
I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one pieces where like, I don't like there are bags back there, like sitting on my rack that I've made from old jeans. And like, those are the things that I think that we should begin to like do when it comes to fashion. We have all this material that we just are going to like toss out when the shirt that you made like that was not just made but cheaply made is now have holes and like rework it into something else and i think that that is how we should begin to shift our minds and creating new um uh, fashion pieces like there are you know yeah that's a very good point and because i do have a handful of pieces that just like don't fit me anymore or like there are holes in it but like like you're saying there's so much potential and I don't have any kind of sewing know-how to be able to turn it into something else but that's cool that like you did that yeah I think that it is because it's like even in that you know like maybe if there's a way to collect clothes that people would just toss out and then you know like rework that into things I think that we can start to dabble into the uniqueness that will come from that. And just like the fact that it would be a much better practice than manufacturing a bunch of new material. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about the gender imbalance within the modeling industry. Mm -hmm. So a statistic I found stated that most professional models, uh, out of most professional models, 77.7% .7 were women and 22.3% were men. Uh, this study did not include gender non-conforming people, um, but at the last New York Fashion Week, uh, there were 36 gender non-conforming models, uh, which accounted for 1.55% of New York Fashion Week, but I don't know how that translates throughout the whole industry. Um, according to BBC, top female models make 75% more than top male models. Uh, so for example, Giselle, I don't know how to pronounce her name, Bunchen. She was the one who was married to Tom Brady. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, okay. thank you, thank you. So mm -hmm. in 2016, she made $44 million um, versus in 2013, someone named Shano Pry made $1.5 million. Yeah. And of course, it's hard to tell those exact differences because the differences in assignments. Um, but how have you experienced this gender imbalance, Doyen? Who, what uh, genders do you typically work with? When you're on a set and the designer makes both clothes for women and men, there is definitely going to be a lot more women than there are men. And it really just falls down to what is the designer designing and who are they marketing to? There's a market. Like when it comes to fashion, there's a market for women. And I think that it's really, really great, actually, that uh, um, there is an industry where women can come out on top. I, I don't think that that's something that like the men should try to come for. Like there isn't already enough opportunities for men. Um, but there's just the market for women. Like uh, you mentioned the pays. I just think that it just falls down to out of all the jobs that are available in a year, which campaigns are related to women's clothing. A lot of it is going to be towards women. Cause if you think about like fashion for men, it's usually straightforward. You know, mm -hmm. I think now people are be like with the whole like gender nonconformity, people are beginning to like experience, I mean, experiment with what it means to be 
masculine or to dress up as like a man air quotes on like men in today's society so I think that that's why um there are more women in and like in the modeling industry it's just because that there's just the market and demand for them than there is for men you know like yeah campaign can go on without men so I just feel like that's what it comes down to I don't know if I'm like explaining this right but the way I see it yeah like it's just like the way I see it I just think that there's just more jobs for women because there's more campaigns related to fashion for women Mm -hmm. you know like they don't people don't expect men to go through a bunch of magazine articles they don't expect men to be looking at displays they don't expect men to be like over analyzing commercials however all of that is changing now with the idea of what it means to be a man in today's society however just like traditional standards when you're thinking about like marketing a lot of what is marketed fashion wise is marketed to women therefore they need women to like showcase things it is interesting that you mentioned marketing because doing the research for this episode I was kind of stunned to realize like obviously these big fashion designer brands they do have expensive things high quality things they have fabulous designers but they get you to want to buy them by building that brand and marketing themselves in that way and that it's 90 percent a game of can we trap our or tra- maybe traps the night not the correct word okay. but like can we yeah yes yeah and you just think about like who's engaging with this like material or content that you put out they expect it to be women so they're going to put women at the forefront of something like I'm trying to come up with like an example but I can't I don't know it's just it's just like if you have these people that you're trying to tap into the (laughs) best way to engage them is to put people who look like them there yeah and that's that's what it comes down to they're trying to market to women so they're going to put women at the forefront me personally I think it's great you know does it suck that like the one of the industries that women come out the top is kind of only based on appearance yeah but will I say that oh we should try to create a balance here I'm not really for that when there's so much else that men come out on top on where this is it's like nice yeah that's a very interesting point uh and perspective to have and because what you said about um it being well, but anyway, well, it leads into my next question, which was because it's a majority female industry, do you find, do you still find yourself uh, represented? Did it make it, was it hard for you to initially see yourself in the industry because it's like mainly women or were you still able to find inspirations? And Not at all. I don't think gender is ever an issue for male models like I don't think there's a male model who's they're going like damn I wish I could get this job but they're gonna give it to a woman like no you know it's it's really it's really types it's really Mm -hmm. types so like I feel more underrepresented like a lot of my underrepresentation comes from feeling like I don't see enough people of color 
Mm. And I don't even yeah. think it has anything to do with gender, which is a completely different conversation. But mm -hmm. a male model is not looking as like a, at a, a female model as this is my competition for a certain job. Because if a job description is looking for, I don't know, like a, a blonde woman, a blonde man is not going to fit that category unless they're non-conforming. And then they also have um, androgynous features. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, it's, it's, I guess it's starting to become like more fluid, but we're not each other's competition. I would say where no one is really like competing for anything, but um, in terms of underrepresentation, it has more to do with just like the color of my skin than the gender I am. Yeah, that's very fair. And because in that same um, report that I saw on the New York Fashion Week that talked about the 36 gender non-conforming models, uh, they did have a section in talking about the race demographics. Yeah. Um, and what they what the study said was that New York Fashion Week was 46.8% uh, person of color mm. uh, without giving a specific breakdown in terms of individual um, groups of people, which shows the idea that they know they need diversity, but they don't have the wherewithal to specify certain people's backgrounds and figure out out of you know the people of color we are employing which segments of people are underrepresented yeah yeah yep 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 i think um i know i am um, i'm actually remembering that you also asked like is that like why i felt it would be harder to get into modeling like because of that like is it um like what did gender play into that and mm -hmm. no gender did not however race did and I feel as if I didn't, you know, dark skin models and black models, they're really starting to like make that space now, which I'm so appreciative appreciative of as an as a black model. Um, but growing up, I felt that like it would be almost impossible with like my features. I have a very like, I don't have Eurocentric features at all. Like my features screen black. So I think that because of that, it would be really, really, really hard. And I also, like growing up, thought that I had to change a lot of that, like literally surgically, if I ever wanted to try any of that stuff. Yeah. So it was definitely harder in the past, not because I was like, oh, this is like a woman's world, but only because I was thinking you are Black and not only are you Black, but you're a Black man without Eurocentric features. So it is going to be harder to try to crack into it. And it's, I still feel that now, but not as bad as I did before because there are these like current black models who are currently doing really, really, really good in making that space. Yeah, it's interesting to hear your perspective. And cause in the last couple of years when there has been more discussion on that idea of is, can we make more space for people of color in these industries that have been so previously predominantly white even the idea of when there are, of where are there times when people of color are being hired, but they are still being preferred for their lighter skin or Eurocentric features. So it's interesting yeah. to talk about those nuances. Yeah, because that's what I've noticed recently. Like I was like, yes, they are including like melanated folks and they're putting people of color in. But when you look at the features, sometimes it's, they're, they're still 
they're still picking a specific type of person. Yeah. They're picking a specific type, a specific type of person. And there are a few exceptions. And I think that um, it's definitely a growing journey. It's a journey because before you couldn't even see more than one, like, you know, one, you only saw one skin color and maybe like a sprinkle here and there, like, um, yeah. color. but um, it's a growing journey. I would say it's a process. Yeah. And that idea of having types within the modeling industry based off of like very tiny physical nuances is so weird to me as an actor where types are like, oh, you, my type, for example, is uh, slightly sarcastic and comedic, but oh, I can yeah. also do um, yeah. like police stuff. Because as so- an, yeah, as an actor, it falls down onto personality. Well, as a model, I mean, it's in the job, it's a parent's base, but yeah, I still think that there's a bit of crossover happening actually between both industries where types are starting to blend too, where like, it's because mm-hmm. a lot of acting jobs that I've went on to, um, sorry, it's like great personality, but what they imagine the characters to look like is not what I look like, or yeah, I'm great for the role but the personalities don't match. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then in the modeling too, like some, if you are, if, if the designer just, because they see so much people in modeling too, is what I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if a lot of people realize it's like they see so much people that also will look alike that they literally pick number one, maybe who they saw first, who they saw last or who they just like the most as a person. So yeah. even then your personality type will come into play. Mm, that's a good point and that's good to know that at least if you feel like you're lost in the sea of people hey maybe your personality will get you through the door yeah definitely yeah and because I did see um in doing my research I saw I can't remember the brand I saw a show where like that brand's signature look is women who are super duper tall and have like long faces and square jaws and like uh, uh, hooked noses. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that, like the square jaw and the hooked nose, that's so, so specific. But if they are, it's crazy to me that they found that many people who really do look like clones of themselves. Like what? Oh yeah, you know, I feel like people don't, a lot of people want to be models mm-hmm. and a lot of people are looking for models too. So sometimes you could literally just be walking the street and you'll get scouted and, you know, it'll start that way. And there's also just a lot of people submitting too. So mm-hmm. you're bound to see people who will look exactly the same and it will work in your favor, like you like you mentioned, like that one brand picking different people who share the same features or uh, or won't, and they will have to come down to like who they like the most as a person. Um, but there's, there, there, there's so much people submitting to things and so much people looking out for things like yeah. who can, you know, fit the aesthetic they're going for. Yeah, so crazy to hear. Um, so going back to the idea of models pay, so it mm. sounds like then that the reason women are, or at least the top female models are being paid more is because the projects are just bigger. They're working more. Yeah. yeah. They're working more. It's not like, it's not like we're going for the same job and then 
I'm going to get paid less just because I'm a male, like, you know, like how it is in most industries. Mm-hmm. It's mainly like who's on set the longest, who has to do more, who has like, they're just working more. Yeah, that's fair. So um, I don't mean to incite any insecurity in you, Doyen. And if, you know, please, if it, you know, makes you insecure, you know, you don't have to answer. Uh, ask me anything. Okay. I know that um, women, not just in the modeling industry, but in the world in general, uh, face a lot of ageism. And female actors, is, uh, female actresses especially feel like uh, their career is over at 40. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though that ageism doesn't exist for male actors, I'm mm-hmm. wondering uh, what the opportunities are like for older male models. There are definitely opportunities. However, it changes a little. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now people are wanting more from runway shows. So you will see older models too. Like yeah. You, yeah, people are just like, you know, stop giving us the same old, same old, like give us something new. So people are getting really creative with how they present their um, collections. So older models are definitely, you know, still being a part of the space. There, so there's going to be a space for you somewhere. You know, there is always going to be a space for you somewhere. It's all about just like finding it and tapping into it. But for me personally, I do think that there is like an age cap that I've put on this because of like what goes into modeling is very like appearance based. And for some people it comes naturally and for others it doesn't. And I feel like for me, I don't know. I get told by some that it, I, it, it's like I fit that like high fashion aesthetic. And by some I'm told that I have that commercial look. But for me, I know all of it, what takes into this, like, you know, making sure that if, a casting comes two hours, I can be ready for that at all times. So living in that is not something that I want to do for a long time. So the older I get, the less I, the, like the more I will pull back from modeling. Um, but I do know that there is a space for everyone. On my last runway, there was an older man there and he looked just as great as us and we're younger or whatever. And he looked just as great. He walked just as great, if not better. So I think the space for you you just have to find it and the more people as in consumers demand what they want to see the more creators will give mm-hmm. that is that's good to hear that you know there was a guy at your show who was on the older side and, and that does make sense I mean I think I too if I had been doing modeling for so many years and accrued so much money I'd be like okay uh early retirement yeah (laughs) yeah yeah you know because it's like what comes natural you know some people are just naturally born for things and I just think that for me it just takes a little bit more work than other things but because I enjoy it I do it so that makes sense it's like how a lot of actors, uh, by the time they have kids and are distracted by other things, they just start production companies mm-hmm. instead of keep acting. Yeah. So yep. this brings us to the next segment of the podcast called Convince Chad. 
<laughs> but this week we have a little twist because in this hypothetical case scenario I'm giving you, Chad is a woman. Okay. So imagine this. You're chilling out in your apartment on a weekend. You're just hanging out. And then you suddenly get a call. Your phone's like ring, 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 ring. And you pick it up and you're like, hello. And the person on the phone is like, hey, it's me, Dean Allison Green. And you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> Dean Allison Green of Tish School of the Arts? What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what you say. And she is like, yes. And you're like, why are you calling me? And she's like, I'm doing a survey to see what graduates are doing for work now. What are you up to? And you're like, well, I'm a model. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what? A model? I don't know any male models. I feel like they're mostly women. And of course, if the real Dean Allison Green was calling you up, she would not question you for being a model. She would be yeah. like, hell yeah, you're an artist. But in this hypothetical case scenario, she's like, what? So it is your turn to convince Dean Allison Green that the modeling industry is not just cis women and that there is so many amazing nuances to it. I I don't even know what I would say. If I'm being real, I probably would have told her to spit (laughs) in her generation. I would just say that like times have changed, you know, things have changed and that you, even if you were to go on a modeling agency's board, you have men, women, and non-conforming. Like people are, don't, people can't fit one type anymore. We're all accepting our differences and the fact that we're into different things and it's showing through how we appear, you know? So I would just be like, you know, get right or get left. Like, this is just how it is now. Yes, I am a male model. Yes, I am getting paid to be a male model because there's a market for a male model. People want to see male lookbooks like now. Like, people want to see fashion for men on display now. Or people want to see more masculine fashion products being, like, shown to them. Like, they would see more feminine products being shown to them. And they need masculine-looking people to show off these things so here I am you know and I think that that is just the way I would respectfully go about it because there is a respectful way and there's a disrespectful way and I'm going (laughs) to the respectful way to address her as the Chad calling me well I think that was a very uh fully encompassing answer so bravo yay we beat Chad Well, Doyen, it was really fun having you on this podcast. And it was so fun to hear you talk about your inspiration and your experiences. You got a lot of nuggets of wisdom in there. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Because I am a goof at heart. (laughs) Well, to the viewers, please remember to follow and subscribe and rate if you liked the podcast. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone.